You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen. But do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. Then one foggy Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, Rudolph with your, oh, I want to tell you, Rudolph with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? Then all the reindeer loved him, and they shouted out with glee, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, you'll go down in history. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the next round of position rankings within the Cardinals system. I am your host. I am Kyle Reese. Uh, thank you once again for being with us on our little journey here. Uh, everybody at Prospects After Dark and Birds on the Black, really appreciate it. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, today, we're going to go over the third baseman. Uh, I think I finally settled on how uh, the order that we're going to finish our list in. What will probably happen is yesterday was the catchers, today is the third baseman. I think tomorrow we'll do the utility infielders, and then we'll do the first baseman, and then we'll finish with the outfielders. It's important that we do the third baseman before the utility infielders because of the way that I end with the third baseman. Uh, it's kind of a lead-in to our utility players. Uh, our list is simple. It's easy. Uh, prospect number one on our list is uh, uh, Nolan Gorman. Sorry. So, real fast, quick primer to this. I'm recording this on Saturday. And something's happened, and I feel like total garbage. So, I'm going to try to get through this. Uh, as informatively and as quickly as possible. But I'm really struggling today, so I appreciate you being with me. Uh, uh, I'm sure I'm fine. I'm sure I'm just getting over something, uh, probably a head cold of some capacity. But I just really thank you all for your patience and your time once again uh, as you join us. Uh, prospect number one on our list is Nolan Gorman. Prospect number two on our list is Aliris Montero. Prospect number three on our, that was number two. Prospect number three on our list is Malcolm Nunez. Uh, and then our honorable mention is Evan Mendoza. And I think you already know why that's a lead into our utility infielders. But uh, we'll start right off the top with prospect number one on our third baseman countdown list. And that's Nolan Gorman. Uh, it, you know, this time last year, it was 1A and 1B with Gorman and Montero. Uh, Montero had a tough season for a couple of different reasons. And, you know, truth be told, Gorman had a really, really good season. Uh, in 2019. Before we get into all the good, I, I do want to address some of the bad things about Nolan Gorman. Uh, you know, he had an amazing April. He was probably probably the best hitter in the minor leagues for the Cardinals in April. Uh, he just blew apart the Midwest League for Peoria. And what we saw during that time were pitchers of all shapes and sizes of all types uh, being really delicate with him and really operating away from Gorman. You know, breaking pitches away, fastball away. He might get a fastball in early in a count. But for the most part, he was being worked away. And Gorman understood that and really, really played that to his advantage. You know, when he knew what was coming and he adjusted to it. And he did a lot of damage with it. Now, what happened was after we got through the first month of the year, uh, and up until his time in Palm Beach, 
he was getting attacked with breaking pitches in. So pretty much from May until July, Gorman was getting attacked, uh, again, by all pitchers of shapes and sizes, left-handed, right-handed, uh, high-velocity, crafty, whatever it is. He was getting worked inside by breaking pitches. And that's why he was pretty well terrible from the beginning of May uh, until his promotion to Palm Beach. What we saw is we see him chasing. Don't get it mistaken. He chases that ball low and in, the breaking pitch low and in, that bounces in front of the plate. Uh, That is a big issue. The other thing, and I think I put the gif in there. I might not have. In his time in Palm Beach, there is a a pitcher in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization, a righty, who throws him three sweeping sliders. And he he lays off the first one. It's on the outside corner. The next one is one right, right down the middle. And he follows that one back, and the third one, uh, he strikes out on that pitch inside. He doesn't come close to making contact with it. These are the kind of things that you would expect to see out of a 19-year-old going up against advanced talent, but it's also the kind of thing that illustrates just how much work he has to do to reach his ceiling. Uh, the power is there. He's, a, he's a already an accomplished power hitter within the Cardinals organization. All good stuff. Uh, but... There is a, an adjustment that needs to be made. He still doesn't quite have a feel for how he's going to be attacked, when he needs to be defensive in account, uh, and he needs to learn how to identify breaking pitches on the inner half and the lower half of the strike zone. That is really where he struggled, and that's really where, even in his time in Palm Beach, which was better than his time in Peoria from March or, or from May rather until his promotion at Palm Beach, uh, that's that's really where where pitchers victimized him. And again, this isn't uncommon, especially for a 19-year-old playing at the advanced A level or a 19-year-old or 18-year-old playing in the Midwest League uh, for Peoria. You know, even, even the stats that are problematic are still encouraging because he's still so young going up against such uh, advanced talent. Now, I've had some people say some stuff that I also would like to, uh, to correct you know, we've had people talk about him being young and being just a step below where Dylan Carlson was entering 2019. That is not the case. They are two completely different prospects. You know, Carlson could walk a lot. And it wasn't like walking because pitchers were being uh, uh, careful with you like they were with Gorman. He was working counts and taking walks with pitchers who were aggressive towards him. He has a better understanding of the strike zone uh, and better plate discipline. Uh, and it's on a different level than Gorman has shown up until this point, has displayed up until this point. Uh, so don't expect, like, all of a sudden, Nolan Gorman to to be Dylan Carlson. That's not going to happen. Now, it's worth going back and looking at Tyler O'Neill uh, in his age 20 season at AA. Remember, he won an MVP in the Southern League uh, uh, during this time. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see something like that from Nolan Gorman. I want to say... Uh, Tyler O'Neill hit 293, 290, something like that. He was easily the best player uh, at a very young age at a very advanced league. They're kind of the same type prospect, kind of the same type hitter. Except for, of course, O'Neill's issue is getting over-aggressive swinging at breaking balls away, where Gorman's issue is swinging at breaking balls in. You know, it sounds like, uh, it almost sounds like I'm beating up on Gorman by comparing him to Tyler O'Neill, and that's not the case. If anything, it gives us a chance to look at things in perspective, to remember that there was a time when Tyler O'Neill was a top 25 prospect in baseball, that even at double A and that type of success, winning an MVP at a super young age in an advanced league, there's still a lot of maturation that needs to happen for a player who strikes out a lot to get to the major league level. That's where Nolan Gorman is. Another misconception I want to throw out there about Gorman, 
while sometimes it does get a little weird at third base, he's going to stick at third. And to say that he's never going to be anything above average is definitely a misnomer. Now, I think it's easiest to project him out to be average at best right now. But he's super athletic over there. He's great on his backhand. I mean that, great on his backhand. He'll go into the corners of foul territory. He'll go back on the ball, although he is a little weak going back at the ball. He struggles a little bit coming in, charging balls, especially on a bunts. But he has a super strong arm. It's every bit as strong. Uh, it's just a kick below Luis Montero's arm. There's no reason to say that this 19-year-old kid couldn't be above the average level uh, uh, right now at third. You know, I've had people ask me, could he play a corner outfield? He's athletic enough to play a corner outfield. If you ask me, he's athletic enough to play a center field if the opportunity presents itself. He'll probably be able to handle first base if eventually they have to throw him over to first base if that's where his future is. There's no telling. But what I know right now is to say that he's going to be average at best at third base is way off. Uh, anyone who can say that and who is going to stand by that is wrong because he has the athleticism to be better. He still needs to clean up uh, his defense at third. He still needs work. You know, he just needs consistency over there. Uh, but he, look, he's a, a very, very good 19-year-old third baseman playing at advanced levels. We've seen him struggle to get his, like, to get his equilibrium uh, about him at a new level as guys hit the ball a little harder and a little harder and a little harder. But once he does, he fits in at that level. So let's not write him off uh, as a potential position move just yet. Let's also not call him the greatest thing to ever happen at third. All of the tools are there for him to reach his eventual defensive ceiling. And his eventual defensive uh, ceiling at third base is above average. Uh, it's just right now it's easiest to project it as average or potentially below uh, because he's 19 playing in advanced leagues and it's hard to tell. Uh, but that is Nolan Gorman. Look, he's going to have a really good 2020 season. He needs to work on plate discipline, laying off of breaking pitches on the inside half, and uh, continuing to increase his awareness of how he's going to be pitched within and a bat. Uh, shorten that zone a little bit, recognize breaking pitches on the lower half, uh, inner, lower inner half of the strike zone, and adjust from there. Uh, again, he's a top 100 prospect in baseball, could very well have a, a season like uh, Tyler O'Neill had as a 20-year-old at AA. Uh, we'll see where he starts. I'd like for him to go back to Palm Beach, as crazy as that sounds, and then when he turns 20, get him the promotion to Springfield, but uh, only time will tell. You know, I'm, I'm definitely, especially on this list so far, as we went over the uh, catchers and all of the pitching types, I've definitely been on board with being as aggressive with these players as possible. But guys like Nolan Gorman, uh, I'd like for the Cardinals to just be a little bit more cautious with and a little less aggressive with. You know, I, I wish he would have spent the entire year in the Midwest League and then maybe spent the last couple weeks of the season at Palm Beach. Uh, he, the Cardinals stuck with a plan. He was destined to go to Palm Beach no matter if he succeeded or struggled uh, after the, the Midwest League All-Star break. And uh, he went there and he did okay there and actually did well above league average. And that was all encouraging, but he could have used a little more time in the Midwest League to refine his approach before the next challenge. But he was up to the challenge to a degree, and that's a positive. That's a good sign. Uh, that's prospect number one in our third base rankings, Nolan Gorman. Prospect number two on our list is Aliris Montero. Uh, you know, Montero worked relentlessly in the offseason between 18 and 19 to get his body in as strong and as good of a shape as possible. Uh, he was amazingly well put together entering the season better by a long degree than he was entering 2018 
The issue was at Double A, he struggled for the first couple of weeks of the season, and then once he started getting his stuff together, he hurt his wrist. Uh, was on the IL for like two weeks, something around there. Came back, was back for a week, was starting to put it back together again, and then broke his hammock bone. Uh, and then he was out up until the last month of the season. And then when he came back, you could tell he was pressing. He could not get into a rhythm. He looked bad. He was trying to crush the ball early in counts. Uh, and then when he'd work a count, he'd get uh, he'd be terribly off balance late in counts. You know, he already has an aggressive, somewhat long, somewhat loopy swing. Uh, and he, he definitely overfinishes his swing. He, he's out there to do damage. Uh, but when his approach betrays him, that's when those become issues. When his approach does not betray him, that's when he is at his best. That's when he is dangerous. You know, then Montero goes to the Arizona Fall League and in a share, a timeshare at third base in the Arizona Fall League, uh, he hits like 200 and strikes out a bunch. Uh, and then once he starts playing a little bit more regularly down the stretch, we see him start to rein that in. It was also good to see Montero walk a little bit more in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, the gist of Montero at the plate is he's going to do damage. He has the potential for big power. When he is comfortable within himself, he is a weapon. He is the 1B to the 1A that is Nolan Gorman at third base. Uh, but we didn't see it other than in glimpses during 2019. The hitter that we saw in 2018 from an approach standpoint, not from damage standpoint, but from an approach standpoint, was miles ahead of the hitter that we saw in 2019. It just seemed like Montero last year could not settle himself down. Uh, he just wanted to do damage, wanted to make up for lost time, and it really, really hurt him. Uh, I am not uh, as down on Montero as other evaluators and other scouts are. I will still have Montero in my top five, if not my top three uh, prospect rankings when we get to the Dirty 35. I'm not giving up on him just yet. I, I stand firmly by him like I do with Randy Rosarena entering 2019. A lot of people move Randy way down the list uh, to begin 2019. I did not, and that paid off. I trust this kid. What Again, he was worthy of the high ranking after 2018 at Peoria. You don't see that kind of production, that type of uh, control of himself and understanding of the strike zone. And it was warranted for him to get uh, uh, all of the praise that he got. It just 2019 is a truly lost season for him. I will say that there are a lot of questions about him at, at third base. And the the fielder that I saw in 2019 could definitely stick at third base and stick at ba third base for a long time. Entering 2019, it felt like the third base equivalent defensively of Albert Pujols uh, when Albert Pujols was a 20 through 23-year-old. little stocky. He'd make some good plays. Fielded everything that was hit to him uh, and probably wouldn't stick at third base in the long term. But he has a plus-plus arm at third. And the, the physical uh, conditioning that he put himself in, put himself through between the 2018 and 2019 season really, really helped him achieve uh, close to a ceiling at third base and exceeded my expectations of him at third base. Uh, uh, entering the year, I, I definitely would have said he is a type of third baseman that was going to have to move eventually and probably to first. What I'll tell you is that guy that I saw at Springfield uh, in 2019, he can stick at third base. He is average already uh, from a major league standpoint. It's just a matter of if he can keep his body and his agility and his confidence in check uh, uh, for long enough. Uh, I love Alaris Montero, and I'm really, really banking and hoping for a, a bounce back 2020 season. And I think uh, I, I think that there's reason to believe it's going to happen, that it's going to come. It's just a matter of him refining his approach and going back to uh, to that approach that we saw in the 2018 season. 
Uh, I imagine he starts Springfield. The Cardinals could aggress- be aggressive and send him to uh, to AAA. We're just going to have to wait and see. He's still young, 21, plenty of time for him to get his stuff together. Uh, and that is our number two prospect, Aliris Montero. I'm going to get a quick sip of tea, guys. I'm sorry. I'm starting to get lightheaded. I don't know what's going on. I had my eyes dilated yesterday uh, 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 you know, for a, r- a routine eye check. And my equilibrium has been off ever since. So uh, just a quick sip of tea. I apologize. There is no booze in that tea, as you might suspect. Number three on our list is Malcolm Nunez. Now, I guess the preface with Nunez is that Nunez missed a good, not a good portion, but Nunez missed some time in 2019 with shoulder and neck issues. Uh, That's something that we're going to have to keep a close eye on. Shoulder and neck issues are nothing to joke around about, uh, to joke around about. Like, that's bad juju. He got a little taste of Peoria. Uh, before the short season season started, the uh, the the, uh, uh, the rookie affiliated season started in June for Johnson City. He got a little taste of Peoria, then he got off to a good start, a decent start, but then got really o- over aggressive towards his small little stint there and looked terrible, swinging at everything. Goes back to Johnson City uh, when the Johnson City season starts. It's kind of weird, kind of rough. You can tell that he's a little hurt, gets hurt, misses time, plays a little bit, gets hurt, misses time, plays a little bit. Uh, I don't want to say a wasted season because it's not a wasted season as compared to what we saw out of Aliris Montero, but it definitely wasn't the season that we all hoped for. You know, when he and Jan Torres found their way to Peoria, I thought, man, this could be a chance for the two of them to break out. And neither did. Uh, kind of opposite stories when we get to the outfielders and we go over John, Jan Torres there. Uh, but so he goes to Johnson City, struggles to get, you know, his feet, uh, his feet wet, as it were. Uh, you know... With that, with not getting consistent at bats, things get a little weird. His stats probably show you a guy that you should be a little worried about, and I get that. But what I will tell you is that I am not worried about Malcolm Nunez. Nunez started showing signs of being really healthy at the end of the Johnson City season, and he was the offensive catalyst for Johnson City on their way to the Appalachian League, Appalachian League, uh, a championship. Uh, big home runs, big doubles. What I can tell you for sure, especially at third base, is that Malcolm Nunez is a big game player. Uh, it's incredible to say about a 19-year-old, you know, it, you know, it's it's not an easy accomplishment to be a big game player at the age of 19. Uh, but I really feel confident in that assessment of Nunez. You know, he's a he's just a weird guy. You know, he's stocky, but he's not so stocky that you under like. He's just a weird guy and a weird player to evaluate. When I watch him at third base, I'm like, huh, this guy is agile enough to play this position even though he's stocky. But then you watch him on the bases and you're like, man, this guy's clunky. Uh, he, he has kind of like a hypocritical uh, skill set where you're like, man, he's got big power, but he can also hit for average. He can also shorten that thing up. But then all of a sudden he's swinging at bad breaking pitches and bad fastballs. And you're like, oh, wait, this is a 19-year-old that's still learning how to play the game. Uh, you're going to find a lot of scouts who are down on Nunez after last year. I'm not. I'm taking it all in stride. Uh, we're trying to keep in mind that he was dealing with some injuries here and there, and uh, that probably uh, uh, hurt him in the long run. Uh, but it seemed like he really got his stuff together. This is a very raw prospect. You know, right now, if you were to watch him play third base for the most part during the 2019 season, you'd say, hey, this guy's not going to stick at third. There's no way in the world. What position can he play? But, you know, when he's when he's a little lighter... Uh, and he's a little in control, a little bit better in control of his body, then he can stick at third. Uh, but again, we're talking about a 19-year-old who's on the cusp of, of manhood, uh, and it's just too early to tell. 
Uh, all the skills are there. Will he maximize those skills? Time will tell. I, again, it's it's kind of a weird thing to say, but and it's kind of a total cop out when you're talking about evaluating talent. Uh, but that's just where I stand. He's got his swing reminds me a bit of a right-handed Ray Lankford. Uh, it, you know, it's it's a little loopy. Uh, it's it's fast, and he has the same like wide hip motion uh, when he's bad, and then a closed hip motion with his step timing when he's really really good. You can see the difference, and that's how Ray Lankford used to be. Um, a bit of a Ray Langford expert in that capacity. Uh, but that's our number three prospect, Malcolm Nunez. 2019 was a kind of a weird year for him. He got a little taste of Peoria, which is where I imagine he'll start 2020. Uh, looked okay in spurts at Johnson City when he was healthy. And he was really impressive, both offensively and defensively, in the Appalachian-Appalachian League playoffs. Uh, that's number three, Malcolm Nunez. Our honorable mention, and this is one of those where it's like, oh, hey, here's Kyle about ready to go on. A rant. Our honorable mention at third base is third baseman Evan Mendoza. Mendoza comes with one caveat. Uh, after like July 22nd of last year or June 22nd or something like that. It was June 22nd. Uh, Mendoza got hurt. And I believe it was a hamstring ins- issue. Not 100% sure. And then this offseason, he had surgery. Uh, again, hard to find out information on exactly what it was. I apologize. I wish I could give you uh, uh, more information, but I can't. So we're talking about a player who got hurt. Uh, and we're talking about a player who ended up having surgery this offseason. The other thing, that, so that, that's like that's like the, the preface for all this. So keep it in mind. It, it was a down year for tw- in 2019 for Mendoza. I expected big things from him after his, his breakout 2018 season. Uh, and then he kind of leveled off and it looked bad. Mendoza's interesting because he only gets on base like 30% of the time. He has like a 300 OBP. But he's on base in like 85% of games. He gets on base like once a game. Uh, and you can almost take it to the bank. It's the weirdest thing. It's like he's not concerned at all about getting on base as often as possible. But every game he's looking for his opportunity to get on base. And it's such a mind uh, a mind F. You know, it, it's almost impossible to really understand what's going on there. Uh, I think what you can take from it uh, is that Mendoza, when he's on and when he's healthy can do some damage, and he can find his way on base. And he's, uh, you know, in 2019, there's no getting around the fact that he was a defensive hitter. He wasn't aggressive. It was the same type of defense, uh, defensive-type hitting that we saw out of him in Springfield after his promotion from Palm Beach in uh, 2018. We need to see him be a little bit more aggressive, get his pitch early in counts instead of trying to work counts and uh, and get defensive. Uh but if, when he's aggressive, he's at his best. And he does have the ability to get on base, although it's not at a high OBP number. It's the weirdest thing. He still makes good contact. He still can take that opposite field or that uh, that breaking pitch on the outside corner to the opposite field. Uh, where the rant comes in is he's not a first baseman. Evan Mendoza is a true third baseman. He is bar none the best defensive third baseman in the organization. You know, you talk about best defensive infielders. I, Baseball America said it was Delvin Perez. I'll take Evan Mendoza at third base over Perez at shortstop. And Perez is a very good defensive shortstop. I'd also take a couple other guys uh, over Perez at shortstop, but I'm not going to get into that. Mendoza is easily the best defensive sh- uh, third baseman, uh, d- best defensive infielder in the organization. I will take that to the grave. He can make every play on the diamond. Uh Foul territory, diving to his left, diving to his right, going back, coming in, strong arm, uh, uh, pop flies over his shoulder. 
He has the full range of defensive abilities at third base. His bat is a light for a third baseman. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But he is a true third baseman. Now, uh, the Cardinals decided to be a great idea to turn this light-hitting true third baseman into a bit of a first baseman. And he split his time in 2019 and also in spring training between third and first base. There is not a dumber move by the Cardinals organization. Well, there's plenty of dumb moves. But that, that is like the least intelligent move that they could have done for this type of player. Play him at second base. Play him in the outfield. Play him at short, even though he struggled in 2018 at short a little bit. Don't move him. To first base, that is, it's so dumb. It's so, so dumb. Not only for, for you're like trying to maximize the value of a, a prospect, trying to get the best out of a prospect, but also from like a trade value standpoint. Uh, you think all of a sudden this light-hitting third baseman, uh, potentially light-hitting third baseman is going to have value uh, at first base? No, that's not going to happen. Try to maximize this kid's value. Give him a chance to do the best. what's best for him. You know, When you're doing what's best for the prospect, you're also doing what's best for you. And I, I, I think the Cardinals are missing a great opportunity here uh, as, they, as, they, as they continue to try to make infielders utility players, to make Evan Mendoza a, half, a part-time, half-time uh, uh, first baseman is about as stupid of a move as you can imagine. I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I don't know. Uh, but what I know is if he comes back healthy in 2020 and he's playing any at first base other than in emergency situations, the Cardinals are basically uh, mailing in his value to both themselves and to other teams. Uh, you know, it, tomorrow we're going to get into the utility players. And I think I go over 15 of those guys. It, I don't know what I was thinking. I just couldn't stop once I got going. And, uh, You'll find that a lot of shortstops now play second and third and the outfield. You'll find that a lot of second basemen play third in the outfield. You'll find that a lot of third basemen are playing second in the outfield. Uh, Cardinals are working hard to create as many utility-type players as possible. Uh, and I'm fine with Mendoza, who is the best defensive third baseman in the organization, playing other positions. But don't put him at the one position where it actually does not help his value. First base is the one position where you have nothing to gain by putting him at first base. I've got plenty of guys that you could play at first. Uh, uh, Mendoza should not be one of them. Uh, and I think that that's a good lead-in to the utility players, which you'll get tomorrow. But uh, as we go over our honorable mention, Evan Mendoza, I want to continue to group these four together. Uh, Nolan Gorman, number one. Alaris Montero, number two. Malcolm Nunez, number three. And Evan Mendoza, uh, number four. Because they are definitely definitely in a group on their own and it's fun to keep those four together at the third base position because it goes to show you that the Cardinals do have a bright future at that position uh and you know this doesn't include Tommy Edmond who had a great uh debut with the Cardinals at third base and can handle third base and also more than likely what I'm banking on is a bit of a bounce back year from Matt Carpenter so that's that's what I'm excited about that's what I like but uh uh you know it was a bit of a down year for the somewhat soft hitting Evan Mendoza uh I don't think it's any surprise that he hit better while playing third than he did when he was playing first. That should also be noted. Uh, and here's the hoping that he comes back healthy in 2020, ready to contribute, and the Cardinals handle him properly. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our rankings of the top third baseman in the Cardinals organization. Tomorrow we'll be doing the utility players. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to the podcast of the catchers. 
uh, working backwards, the catchers, the relief pitchers, the drafted starting pitchers, and the starting pitchers in the organization. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of this. You can follow me on Twitter at KYLER416. If you, uh, my DMs are open, so if you have any thoughts or any comments, any questions, hit up my DMs, or you can just hit me up on Twitter regularly. I'd love to talk to you about our lists and what we're doing uh, at Birds on the Black in general. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can always email me at KYLER416 at yahoo.com. Um, again, I'll, I'm usually a little lazy when it comes to answering my emails, but I promise I'll get to them as soon as I can. And uh, if you are listening to this, you're a part of the resistance. Come back tomorrow for the outfielder or for the utility players. I'm really excited to bring them to you. And as always, family, happy hunting.